Let's begin, ladies and gentlemen. Recording in progress. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is a very, very special day. And the reason why it's special is because, as you probably know, we are going to finish the Torah today. That's a huge deal. This is very, very big. We're going to finish the Torah today. And um, next week we'll pick it up with the first Torah portion, Bereshit. But for right now... This is, uh, this is the grand finale. This is it. We've been studying for a while now, and uh, the grand finale happens now. I'm going to share my screen, and uh, tell me if this comes through. Again, we're experimenting. Until I need to move locations, you let me know. We're up to reading number four, Vizot HaBracha. Can you guys see this? No, it's not showing yet. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yep. Okay. Okay, fantastic. So let's uh, let's jump in. Moses is giving his final words of blessing, offering his final words of blessing, imparting, sharing his blessings to each of the tribes. We covered, I believe, six of the tribes yesterday, and we'll cover the last six today and read about the uh, the passing of Moses and close out the entire Torah. So let's do it. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 18. And to Zebulun, or in the Hebrew it's Zebulun. And to Zebulun he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your departure, and Yisachar, or Issachar, in your tents. Let me explain. There were 12 brothers. We know them as the 12 tribes. But of the 12, there were two of them that struck a partnership. And they were... Yisachar, I'm going to do the Hebrew names, Yisachar and Zavulun. Yisachar and Zavulun. What was the partnership? Yisachar would, st- would study Torah all day. They were the Torah scholars, they were Torah teachers, they were all about Torah. And Zavulun, the friendly brother, Zavulun, they were the businessmen. They were the seafaring merchants they did, they bought and sold, they did commerce, and they made money. And Zavulun and Yisachar had a, had a, a partnership. Yisachar would study, and Zavulun would make the money. And what would Zavulun do with the money? They would help support Yisachar, the Torah scholars. And that was the partnership. And so Moses alludes to it as he says here, Rejoice, Zavulun, in your departure. In other words, when you leave on the ship, when you take that flight for business, when you take that business trip, rejoice, not just rejoice in the business, but rejoice because you recognize the purpose of the business, right? The purpose is to make money. What's the purpose of the money? Is to then do something transformative, to do something amazing with the money. So Moses says to Zavulan, rejoice in your departure when you leave on the ships, to go to work, to make a deal, to buy merchandise, to sell merchandise, whatever, be mesameach, simach, like simcha, simach, rejoice in your departure. And Yisachar, rejoice in your tents. And of course, that is referring to the tent of Torah. That's a euphemism. Tent is a te- refers to the tent of Torah. Let's look at Rashi on this. Um, Rashi basically got his information from me. I'm joking. It's the other way around. 
Rashi says, Zavulun and Yisachar entered into a partnership with the following agreement. Zvulun would dwell at the seashore and go out in ships to trade and make profit, and he would thereby provide food for Yisachar. And they would sit, Yisachar would, and occupy themselves with the study of Torah. So that was the partnership. One brother made money, and the other brother studied Torah. Consequently, Moses mentioned, oh, listen to this. Listen to, I want to check in, hold on. Unmute yourself and let me know. Can you guys hear me? Is it coming through okay? Yes, or thumbs up? Yes. Good, Baruch Hashem. Yes. Perfect. So take a look. Look what Rashi says. Unbelievable idea. You would think this is like a medrash. Well, it could be a medrash. It actually is a medrash. But you would think this is like a Hasidic interpretation. No, it's right here in Rashi. Consequently, Moses mentioned which brother first? The businessman. Zavulam before Yisachar, even though the latter was the elder of the two, because Yisachar's Torah came through the provisions of Zavulam. So listen to this. For two reasons, you would think the order should be reversed. Reason number one is because Yisachar was older than Zavulam. And reason number two, I'm adding, Rashi doesn't say this, but I'm adding, you would think that Moses would bless the scholar. You would think he would put in the, in the order, he first mentioned the Torah, scholars, and then he would mention the businessman. He doesn't. He goes the other way around. Why? Because who enables the Torah to happen? It's the businessman. It's those that support Torah study. That's the idea here. Right? That's the, it's a powerful idea. So Zavulun, the supporters, come before Yisachar, come before the Torah. Why? Because, again, this is not... It's not a, a 2021, you know, newfangled idea, new angle, uh, you know, a feel-good thing. This is straight-up Rashi, classic Rashi on, on this verse. Look what he says. Because Yisachar's Torah came through, came through the provisions of Zvulun. And by the way, the provisions of is only in brackets. In the, in the original, it's because Yisachar's Torah came through Zvulun. The Torah comes through Zvulun. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes? Good. Next, rejoice Zavulun. Next, Rashi. Rejoice Zavulun in your departure. Prosper when you go out to trade. Rashi says, it doesn't just mean be happy. It means be happy and prosper, right? Not just be besimcha, but with hatzlacha. Hatzleach. Be, be successful in your business. And Yisachar should also have, should also prosper. Prosper when you sit in, the, in your tents to study the Torah, to sit in the Sanhedrin and calculate and proclaim leap years and to fix the months, the calendar, etc. Okay, let's, we'll skip the rest of the Rashi. The bottom line here is we see a beautiful partnership between two brothers. Yisachar and Zavulun. Yisachar studied, Zavulun supported. Zavulun's mentioned first. The Torah comes through Zavulun. Let's continue. Verse 19. They will call peoples to the mountain. There they will offer up righteous sacrifices, for they will be nourished by the abundance of the seas and by the treasures hidden in the sand. Okay, let's, let's uh, explore what that is. Oh, first of all, Ray, welcome. It's good to see you. I don't think we said hi before. Hi, Ray. Welcome, welcome. Chag Sameach. Moe Tov. All right, here we go. Let's pull up Rashi on verse 19. Here we go. They will call peoples to the mountain. Who are peoples, Rashi says? The tribes. 
They will call peoples of the mountain, i.e. people from the tribes of Israel, will assemble at Mount Maria, which is the Temple Mount, on the pilgrimage festivals. That means the uh, festival of Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Those are the festivals uh, during which many people, uh, many Jews, made a pilgrimage to the Temple and the Temple Mount. Every assembly took place through a calling. What does that mean? Through summoning of people. That's why it says they will call people to the mountain. Okay. And there they brought up sacrifices. I'm just paraphrasing Rashi. Let's continue. For they will be nourished by the abundance of the seas, i.e. Yisachar and Zavulun will be nourished, right, by the abundance of the seas, by the, right, by the business being going, going well. And thereby, listen to this, they will have spare time to study the Torah. And that implies also Zavulun, the businessman. They'll be so successful in business, they'll have some extra time. So here's the question. Here's the question that, that's really important in life. When you get the time that you've been waiting for, what do you do with it? Are you with me? You with me on the question? Let me stop sharing for a second so I can see everybody, hopefully. Yeah, you know, we're always, we're always running. We're running, we're racing the clock, we're trying to get things done, and we're, we're running up into, you know, deadlines and whatever. We don't have enough time. Here's the question. What happens when we do have the time? What happens when, you know, there's a day off, we have some time? What do, what do we occupy that time with, right? We, didn't, we never had enough time to do, we don't have enough time to do what, what, what we know is really important. The question is, so what happens when we do have those few minutes or few hours or even few days? What do we do? Do we actually maximize that time or do we do, uh, use it for other activities that are not so meaningful? That's the question. Again, it's just a question that we, th- we, should, we need to think about. And in the context of this discussion, right, Rashi is saying that there should be Moses blessing the tribes, these two tribes, they should be so, Zavulun should be so successful in business that they'll have time to study Torah. That's the mark. That's how you know what you really want in life. When you have the time, the question is, so what, do you, what did you do with it? You had an extra hour. What, work ended early today. You had an extra hour, so what'd you do? You hit Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, right? Snapchat, TikTok, emails, YouTube. What do, you, what, what, what do we do with our time? Or did we study Torah? That's how you know what it's really about. So point is, as Rashi encourages us, when we have the time, and we have the time, right? When we have the time, let's do something Meaningful with that time. Let's get back inside. Learning lessons from the final few verses. Here we go. Um, And by the treasures hidden in the sand, Rashi says, things covered up and hidden by the sand, the tarot or terino. We can't see it. Oh, you can't see it. Hold on. Hold on one second. How about now? No. There you go. Yeah, popped up. Okay, beautiful. Yes. There, now, yes. All right, see, for every for everybody, it comes up different. See that? All right, we just... I, I don't see it. You don't see it now? Okay. Before I did. Uh-huh, all right. You ha- you'll have to take my word for it. So here we go. Things covered up and hidden by the sand, Rashi says, is the territory Torino kind of fish, the snail from which a sky blue dye was obtained, and white glass, all of which come from the sea or the sand. These were found in the territory of, Yis- of Yisachar and Zavulun, as it is taught in Tract and Megillah and the Talmud. Um, yeah, I'm going to skip the rest. Okay, basically they lived by the sea, where there was these fish, 
and sand and white glass. Sounds like a jewelry workshop, Donna, right? Uh, there's, there's a fish that produces um, a snail from, that produces sky blue dye and white glass. Sounds like a, like a blue and white. Sounds like a very, very Israel thematic. <coughs> yes. All right. What about yes. the, let's see, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, let's see the Rashi on the treasures. An expression meaning a covering as it is, okay, that's a grammatical thing. Okay, here we go. Another explanation. It's the tekelet. It refers to tekelet as well. I, you know, yeah, uh, let me see the Hebrew. Um, it says the chilazen. Was the chilazen from where tekelet came yeah, from? That was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That created yeah. the tekelet. So there you go. So there you go. Yeah. So where was, and now we know where to find the tekelet. We got to go by the sea. We go to go by the shore. Yeah? The thing's covered up and hidden by the sand. We just have to dig. That's, right? All, it's, all, all, all it requires is, is some digging. Yes. Yes, Ray. That's not the, that's not the big fish that we're all going to eat from, or is it? Mm-mm. No, you're, you're, no, you're referring to the large gefilte at the end of days. Oh, the large gefilte, right. Joking. You're referring to the leviathan, the leviathan. Yes. No, oh, different, okay. different. This is the chilazain, which is not a kosher fish, but it produced a, oh. it produced a blue dye. It's a blue snail. Color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, now let's talk about here. So in this Rashi, I don't, it's, again, I'm not sure to what extent you guys can see exactly, but... Stay with me here, where Rashi says another explanation. They will call people to the mountain. What does that mean? Through Zavulun's commerce, merchants of the world's nations will come to his land. In other words, Zavulun, we said, is the businessman. He's going to be so successful that business people from around the world are going to come to do business in, his ter- in, in Israel. Now, Zavulun is located at the border, so these merchants will say, since we've taken so much trouble to reach here, let's go to Jerusalem and see what the God of this nation is like and what they do. Look at that. Look at that. We're getting tourism to the temple. I'm kidding. It's not tourism. Getting people to discover monotheism through business. Okay, if your mind is not blown yet, this is like Rashi speaking like a Chabad rabbi, right? So number one, business is holy, right? Because... The, because of what we can do with it, right? What we can do with the, the proceeds, number one. Number two, um, when you have an extra minute, an extra hour, what do we do with the time? Let's study Torah. Number three, Zvulun can really bring people in because since Zvulun is, is wheeling and dealing and Zvulun is connecting with people in the world, more than the Torah scholars sitting in the tent of Torah, sitting in the Beit Midrash, sitting in the, in the synagogue, right? Zvulun, the businessman, is in contact with all sorts of people from around the world. They're going to come do business by him. Once they're in Israel, what, they're going to go right back home. They're going to stay a little bit. They're going to go to Jerusalem, check out the temple, and you know what? Next thing you know, boom, they're going to fall in love with monotheism. Take a look. Let's read the rest of this Rashi. It's unbelievable. Um, so they're going to say, let's go to Jerusalem and see what kind of, what, what, what's the deal with their God. And let's continue. They see all Israel worshiping one God and eating one kind of food. That would be kosher or sushi because, that was a joke, because among the nations, 
Because in the other nations, the deity of one is not like the deity of another. And the food of one is not like the food of another. Right? So they don't worship the same God. They don't eat the same food, etc. So by the Jews, there's this unity. So they will say, thus, they will say, there is no nation as worthy as this one. Consequently, they will convert to Judaism there. As our verse says, there they will offer up righteous sacrifices. And all of this will be due to Zavulun's commerce. That is an unbelievable idea. It's because of the business that the spirituality happens. It's because of the business that, this, that, 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 that Judaism is, um, is honored. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, you have other traditions that look at the mater- materialism and the material world as something like less than. Like, ah. Oh, it's a concession to human frailty, a concession to human need that you have to go to work and whatever. And Judaism looks at it a little bit different. It's, it's, it's the most incredible tool and a gift is, uh, is, is going to work and, 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 and earning, earning some guilt. It's, it's incre- you, can all, it, you need money to fuel good endeavors. So that's number one, right? So you need, you need to make money to earn the money to be able then to support and fuel Positive change in the world, that's number one. Number two, it allows us to recognize priorities, right? Because working so hard, when we have some time off, it's like, oh, thank God I have some time. Then we can appreciate the Torah study that we have, that stolen time, so to speak, right? As it says in Proverbs, stolen waters taste a little bit sweeter. And number three, because of the connections in business, we can bring people in that otherwise would, would, would be totally not, uh, not, um, not connected. Let's continue. Um, they will be nourished by the abundance of the seas. Rashi says, Zavulan and Yisach will be nourished. That is to say, the sea will lavish them with wealth. Okay. I, I uh, prefer to think of that as uh, treasure chests from pirate ships washing up. I'm kidding. But the, through, the, uh, through the sea, they will become wealthy. Let's continue next tribe. All right, hold on. Let me check in to make sure that y'all can hear me at least. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Me, okay. Yes. Can you guys see me or is it a static image? Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. We have a machloket. We have a classic Jewish debate. Some say yes. Some say now no. You. Oh, you see that? Now you're, now you're also yes. Good. Perfect. Okay, let's continue with... You freeze from time to time. I know, but I do that in real life also. I do that in real life also. I'm kidding. All right, verse... Yes. Can I just add a little commentary? Yes, absolutely. So um, I like that idea of business leading to, you know... Spirituality. Oh, yes, right. Uh, But... Content, but also along the, you know, very well, you know, it's also been used against us, you know, that we're so concerned about business. It's used as ways to be anti-Semitic. Yeah. So listen, perfect segue. Everyone should come to the anti, uh, anti-Semitism course, Outsmarting Anti-Semitism, where we're going to address Donna's point head on. That's the bottom line. Donna's making a good point, right? Sometimes when we're successful and, you know, when, and it shows, it works against us. So then what do we do? So what should we do? Good. Listen, we have four weeks to explore these topics. And trust me, that your point and your topic is going to be explored. So I don't want to steal any thunder or, in Zvulun's case, take any wind out of anyone's sails. All right. But the bottom line is, we're going to, listen, I'm here all week um, in this hut. We are going to definitely cover this in the, in the upcoming course. So everyone should 
When does that start? I'm so glad you asked. It's a perfect segue. October 26th <laughs> and October 28th. We have a Tuesday night class and a Thursday day class, Thursday afternoon class. Join one, join both, whatever is your preference. Um, it's intownjewishacademy.org slash anti-Semitism. That is going to be an amazing, amazing experience. Okay, let's continue with God. Yes. So I just wanted to say, too, like if you think about, you know, Eretz Yisrael, and you think about um, what gives the better positive image, you know, the best PR, if you will, for Judaism and monotheism indirectly is when Israel is the leader in some sort of new development technology, whatever. Um, You know, it's an indirect, it's subliminal per se, but if you think about it, that's the most, that's the most relatable, since we don't proselytize, it's the most relatable thing to the masses. Correct, a hundred percent, yes. Just thinking about that and thinking also about uh, the negative reputation that we've gotten because of business is because, you know, again, not taking wind out of your sails. I've already got enough wind here with my sukkah. Um, But the, um, um, you know, it, it, it also has a message that that, to me, another underlying message that our business dealings have to be ethical and above right. board in order to be that draw to monotheism. I mean, you know, that that's really important. Right. Yes. A hundred percent. We have to make a Kiddush Hashem and not a Chil Hashem. We have to sanctify God's name and not desecrate God's name. In other words, we have to act morally, ethically, legally, etc. Not, not God forbid the opposite. I will say like this, you reminded me of, uh, of an anecdote. There was once a fellow a businessman who was um, speaking to a group of students about business ethics. So he said, I'll give you an example of an ethical question. Imagine you own a dry cleaners and you're dry cleaning someone's jacket, a customer's jacket, and you find a $100 bill tucked into the jacket pocket. That raises an ethical question. What's the ethical question, right? When you keep it, do you tell your business partner or do you keep the whole thing for yourself? Anyway, that was a joke. So, right, we got we to gotta act ethically 100%. Let's, um, let's continue inside verse number 20. And of God, next tribe, he said, Blessed is he who grants expanse to God. He dwells like a lion tearing the arm of his prey together with the head. So what does that mean, expanse to God? The expanse, Rashi says, this teaches us that God's territory extended far eastward. He dwells like a lion. So Rashi says, because God was near the border, he is therefore compared to lions, who, uh, for all those who are located near the border, must be mighty like lions to protect themselves from attack. If you're on the border, you're a little more vulnerable, so you have to be ready for action and defense. Tearing the arm of his prey together with the head, anyone slain by the Gadites could, eat readily, could be readily identified. They used to cut off the head together with the arm in one blow. Okay, now we know. So they were, they were mighty warriors. Let's continue, verse 21. He saw God, referring to God still, right? From 20, 21. He saw the first portion for himself. This is very powerful right here. Because there the portion of the lawgiver is hidden. Stay with me, guys. Stay with me. And he came at the head of the people. 
He did what is righteous for the Lord what is, and what is lawful with Israel. What does that mean? Rashi explains. He saw the first portion for himself. That means that God saw fit to take for himself territory in the land of Sichon and Og, which was the land at the beginning of the conquest, etc. So what that means is, remember there were two and a half tribes or two tribes that requested land east of the Jordan River? Well, one of them was God. And so Moses, before his passing, says, God, you guys, you wanted the first land. You wanted the land east. Remember Rashi just said his land extended eastward, right? He's on the border. He's in hostile territory. He's like, um, you know, the, the nations, the neighbors, the sometimes unfriendly neighbors are knocking on his doorstep constantly. He took that land. He chose that land. Why? Next Rashi. For God knew, because the portion of his lawgiver is hidden, for God knew through divine transmission that within his territory would be contained a portion of the field designated for the burial of the lawgiver, namely Moses. In other words, God knew that Moses would be buried there and God wanted to be close with Moses. I've shared this before. When the two tribes requested that land, the real story is a love story. Okay, so basically Moses here is alluding to the fact that these two tribes um, and led by God did not want to go into the land of Israel. And why not? Because they knew that Moses would be buried there and they wanted to be with their beloved leader. Okay, so that's, that's what Rashi says over here, right? God knew through divine transmission that his territory would be would contain the portion of the field designated for the burial of the lawgiver, namely Moses. That's what that's what and that's what and that's what they wanted. Let's continue. The lawgiver is Moses. Good, 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 good. Let's keep on going. The head of the people. Head of the people. Why head of the people? Because they went to battle first. Um, Okay, let's, let's move on because we actually have still a few more readings and I uh, want to make sure that we finish today because if not now, when? when? Right, as we, talk, <laughs> as we talked about yesterday. So let's continue more blessings to more tribes. Okay, here we go. And of Dun, he said. And of Dun, he said, Dun is a young lion streaming from Bashan. That means he was streaming live from Bashan. No, he was streaming from Bashan. We'll see what that means soon. Let's just do the verses and we'll get back to Rashi. And of Naphtali, he said. Naphtali, so we're going rapid fire here. Done. Naphtali. Naphtali is favorably satisfied and full of the Lord's blessing. Possess the sea in the south. And of Usher, this is all Moses speaking to the tribes. And of Usher, he said, may Usher be blessed with sons. He will be pleasing to his brothers and immerse his foot in oil. Your locks are iron and copper, and the days of your old age will be like the days of your youth. That's a good blessing. 
Yeshurun, there is none like God. That's a reference to the Jewish people. Yeshurun, Yeshurun, there is none like God. He who rides the heavens is at your assistance, and with his majesty, he rides the skies. Very, very poetic and beautiful language. Let's see, Rashi. Dun is like a young lion. This means that Dun was, the reason is because Dun was also located close to the border. And so like God, he's compared to lions. Remember we said before that when you're at the border, you've got to be strong to uh, protect yourself and the nation. Um, all right, let's skip that. Naphtali. Here we go. Naphtali is favorably satisfied. What does that mean? Naphtali's land would fully satisfy all its inhabitants. In other words, they wouldn't need to import for survival. Sometimes, you know, the land itself doesn't support, doesn't support um, the, the populace. But in this case, Naphtali will be, the land will fully satisfy the inhabitants of that territory. Guys, I want to check in. Can you see and hear me? Is everything cool with the audio and video? Amazing. Beautiful. Possess the sea in the south, the sea of, the, the sea of Kinneret. The Kinneret Sea fell within Naphtali's portion. Moreover, he took a rope's length of fishing coast on its southern shore for spreading out his nets and trawls. That's according to the Talmud. Let's continue. Um, that's a grammatical thing. Usher. Let's talk about Usher now. May he be blessed with sons. Rashi says, I saw in Sifri the following. Among all the tribes, you will not find one that is blessed with sons as Usher was, but I do not know in which regard. Look at that. Rashi says, I read it in the Medrash, but I don't exactly know what it means. Right? That no one was blessed in su with sons like, uh, like Usher, but I don't exactly know. Any Yudea, Kate said, I don't know exactly what type of, what does that mean? They lived long, they were handsome, they were strong, they were, like, what, they were successful. They were blessed, the sons were blessed, but he's, Rashi says, I'm not sure in which area that is a reference to. I'm going to lean back in this chair, which is a little bit more comfortable. And that's it. I hope my rocking doesn't disturb anyone, but this is actually quite comfy. This is a, a comfy edition of um, DPP. Let's continue. He'll be pleasing to his brothers. Usher pleased his brothers with... Oh, uh, here we go. Take, the, take a look at this one in Whole Foods, coming, coming soon to a Whole Foods near you. Uh, unpackinon oil. Unpackinon oil. There you go. Well, now you know. Um, that's oil of unripe olives used for anointing one's skin and tasty foods. I don't know why there's a question mark in parentheses here. And they please him by repaying him with grain. Basically, pleasing for his brothers means that there was lots of cool stuff that, came, that grew or that came from Usher's territory. Here's another explanation of he will be pleasing to his brothers. Because the women who came from Usher were beautiful... And were sought after for marriage. So what does it mean pleasing to his brothers? Everyone wanted to marry a girl from the tribe of Usher. They were very beautiful. Okay. Um, and also, I'm just skipping a little bit in Rashi. His daughters, the daughters, in other words, the descendants of Usher, were married to Kohanim, Gedolim, and kings who were anointed with olive oil. And here we go back to the olive oil reference. What does it mean to immerse his foot in oil? Rashi says, for his land flowed like a spring with oil. It once happened that the people of Ladosia, Ladochia, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, were in need of oil. And they appointed an agent who was sent from place to place until he found an olive farmer. 
The latter brought his, this agent to his home, and there the olive farmer washed himself and then dipped his hand and feet, thereby fulfilling our verse here and dipped his foot in oil. Then he supplied the agent from Laodicea, Laodicea, whatever, with 1,118,000 mana worth of olive oil. My friends, that's a lot of olive oil. Let's continue. Your locks are iron and copper. Um, now, okay, now look at this. Rashi says, verse 25, now Moses addressed all Israel. So we, we moved away from a specific tribal blessing to a collective message. Moses addresses all Israel whose strong men dwelled in the border cities and would lock up the land, as it were, with their protection so that the enemies would be unable to enter. It was as if the land was closed up with locks and bolts made of iron and copper. Another explanation, your locks are iron and copper. Your land is locked in by mountains from which iron and copper are mined. In this respect, Usher's territory was considered the lock of the land of Israel. Okay, your old days will be like the days of your youth. Um... Like the days that are your best, namely your first days, the days of your youth, so will be the days of your old age, days which ordinarily flow away and are painful and decline. So basically it's a blessing that the older age should be like the younger age in a way of, uh, of, of health and happiness, etc. Another explanation, the days which can be enumerated as your good days, namely all those days in which you, you fulfilled the will of the omnipresent, uh, so, will your, so will be your flowing, i.e. all the countries in the world will make silver and gold flow into the land of Israel. For Israel will be blessed with fruits so that all the countries will be supplied by it, constantly pouring their silver and gold into it. Moreover, the world's silver and gold will be depleted because they will pour it into your land. Okay, good. Let's continue. Final verse of this reading and then we have a straight line to the end of the Torah. Yeshurun, there's none like God. What does that mean? There's none like God, Rashi says, Yeshurun, you should know that there is none like God among the gods of the peoples, and that their rock is not like your rock who rides the heavens, the same God who is at your assistance, and with his majesty he rides the skies. Sixth reading. Here we go, my friends. Which are the abode for the God who precedes all, and below are the mighty ones of the world. He expelled the enemy from before you and said, Destroy. So this is a continuation. That's why I segue quickly from 26 to 27. Verse 26 to 27, it's a continuation. It says, God rides the heavens, and the heavens are the abode for God. The skies are an abode for God who precedes all other deities. He selected the skies above as his residence and abode, while all the strong men live below him. Now, it doesn't mean literally God is in heaven, God is everywhere, in, in fact. But nonetheless, these are all references for us to have some sort of insight and some sort of... Um, perspective. Um, okay, let's continue. Let's continue, let's continue. The mighty ones of the world, referring to Sihon, Og, and the kings of Canaan, who are considered the strength and might of the world. Therefore, despite themselves, they will tremble and quake, and their power will dwindle before God. The fear of one above always falls upon the one below, and thus he to whom power and mighty belong is the one who helps you, and who said, uh, drove out the enemy from before you and said to you, destroy them. Okay, let's continue. And Israel dwelled safely and alone as Jacob blessed them in a land of grain and wine. Also their heavens will drip dew. This is a beautiful blessing, by the way. I'm just going to mention this is a blessing to all the people, all the Jewish people. It's a powerful lesson. Every single individual, Rashi says, 
will dwell safely, each man under his own vine and his own fig tree, and their security will be so sound that they will have no need to live together in one group because of the enemies. You know, when, when there's a danger, everyone has to live together. Secure, securely, in, uh, security in numbers, safety in numbers. But when there's security, there's divine security, you can just dwell by yourself, no fear, no, no sleepless nights, you know that God has your back. Let's continue. Ashrecha Yisrael, verse 29, Fortunate are you, O Israel, who is like you, O people, whose salvation is through the Lord, the shield who helps you, your majestic sword. Your enemies will lie to you, but you will tread upon their heights. All right, I feel like, I don't know that we need much commentary on that. We get it, right? It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's an incredible blessing. God is with us. Yes. Can you go back to the beautiful blessing? Just right, yeah, okay. Wait, it was, and their heavens will do. It, um, where was that? It was, it was the beautiful, no, it was just right before this where you said the beautiful blessing. No, 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 that's going back too far. That's yeah, every individual will dwell safely. This one. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is that from? What do you mean? That's Rashi. Oh, that's Rashi, okay. So that's his interpretation. Okay, well, under his own. Well, no. Mind. I mean, if you look over here, the Torah says, "And Israel dwelled." It, it dwelled sounds past tense. This is a, a blessing, and Israel oh. dwelled safely and alone. What does it mean safely and alone? So Rashi says, "So safe that you can live alone and not be afraid." Oh, okay. That's the meaning of safely and alone, right? Yes. This class yeah. sponsored by Simply Safe. Joking. Safely and alone <laughs> means. You'll be able to, you're, you'll be so safe and secure that you don't need your neighbor to stay over. You don't need to huddle together. You can have your own land. You can have your own farm. Your next neighbor is a mile and a half away, and you're good. I'm not saying it has to, I'm not saying it has to be like that. I'm just saying that if it is like that, it's a blessing. Safety and security. Thank All right. You. Let's, yeah, no problem. Let's continue with verse number 34. Now this is, I'm going to toggle Rashi off here. Just so we have uh, clarity of the. This is Moses' final. Final. Um... Hold on one second, one second. Stay with me. Hold on. Okay, I was wrong. The seventh reading is Bereshit, is where we begin the Torah again. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yes. We're not going to do the seventh reading. This is it. Deuteronomy chapter 34. We have now 12 more verses for the Torah. This is it. This is it. Final 12 verses. I hope you're as excited as I am. Here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse number 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, Har Nevoi. By the way, that's the mountain that God told him that he will pass away on. So this is the final ascent of Moses. He knows why he's going up. The people know why he's going up. Everybody, you and I know why he's going up that mountain. He's not coming down. Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of the summit facing Jericho. In other words, overlooking, overlooking the land of Israel. And the Lord showed him all the land, the Gilead until Dan, and all the land of Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah until the Western Sea and the south, and the plain, and the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, until Tzohar. He saw the whole thing. He had a nice overlook of the land, of the promised land. 
Verse number four. And the Lord said to him, God says to Moses, final communication. This is the land I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your own eyes, with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. In other words, once again, this is what you're going to see, but you're not going to be able to go in. Verse 5. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab by the mouth of the Lord. One second, there happens to be a confluence of noisy cars right here, right now. All right, let's get back. Verse 5, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab by the mouth of the Lord. By the mouth of the Lord means that he had that type of death that he saw his brother have. Where it's like a death as, as um, gentle as a kiss. Right? Right, as gentle as a kiss where the soul... Just leaves the body in a gentle fashion. No pain, no suffering, right? No struggle. Verse number six. And he buried him in the valley. Who buried him? Who buried Moses? Look at the capital H. Yeah, you see the capital H. Ray's pointing out it's God. Correct. It's according to most commentaries. That's what it means. According to all commentaries. And he buried him in the valley. God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Bar. And here's the verse that I mentioned many times in various classes. And no person knows the place of his burial until this day. No one knows where Moses is buried. Why? Why not? Some positive because God didn't want it to be made into um, a shrine, etc. Various answers are given. But either way, we don't know where Moses is buried. It says, the Talmud says, people were trying to find it. The people that went up the mountain thought he was below. The people that went below the mountain, uh, uh, lower in the mountain thought he was higher. No one could find him. People have looked, no one could find him. Moses was, how old was he? Verse 7. Moses was 120 years old. Yep, 120 years old when he died. His eye had not dimmed, nor had he lost his natural freshness. In other words, he was... Um, he was still fresh and, and, uh, and healthy. Verse 8, And the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. And the days of weeping over the mourning for Moses came to an end. So they, they mourned him and they didn't move for 30 days. But it says here the sons of Israel, the men, the women, they didn't, the women didn't mourn him. Not, not that they didn't mourn him, but the Torah doesn't mention it. By Aaron, it says the men and the women. Kobes Israel, everybody. We know that Aaron was the one who brought, who specifically focused on uh, introducing peace into relationships, peace between neighbors, between husband and wife. So, uh, so everybody mourned, and Moses had his role. Here we have the sons of Israel wept for Moses for thirty days, and then Is it came. That where we get Shloshim? That's one of the places. Yeah, the Torah mentions Shloshim thirty days. Um, uh, in, in several places. But here's one of them. The word Shloshim is 30. Right there, you can see it in the Hebrew, verse 8. Shloshim. Um, let's continue. And Joshua, well, he's the successor. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands upon him. 
Do you see that? Not because he studied and not because he was very wise, but because he served Moses, because Moses interacted with him, that gave him the spirit of wisdom. You know, education, how does education happen? As much as it happens through what we're taught, like in the books, even more education happens by what we witness, by what we see, by our um, hands-on experience. That's what it means. Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses laid his hands upon him. In other words, because Moses taught him hands-on. Let's continue verse 9 in the middle. And the children of Israel obeyed him as they did. Sorry, and they did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And here we get to the eulogy. The Torah itself eulogizes Moses. And there was no other prophet who arose in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, as manifested by all the signs and wonders which the Lord had sent him to perform in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and to all his land and all the strong hand and all the great awe which Moses performed before the eyes of all Israel. And join me please, Chazak. 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 Alright, let's that means be strong and be be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. That's what we always say upon concluding a book of the Torah. I wanna I know I went through it quickly, but let's talk about what the eulogy is. So number one, there's Bye Karen. Bye, Karen. So, shalom. it's so nice to study with all of you. Chak Sameach and Shabbat Shalom. I have to go to a conference call. All right, no worries. Shabbat Shalom, Chak Sameach. We'll see you soon. All right, so just to quickly, we'll, we're, uh, we're a little bit past the time, past one, so let's go through this quickly. So three verses contain God's eulogy for Moses. Number one, there was no other prophet like him. God knew him face to face, so that's one. Number two, Moses was the one that, uh, that manifested, or as manifested by, but he's the one that brought about, through God, obviously, all the signs and wonders. That, that's referring to the plagues, all the miracles, right, which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and his servants, and to all his land. In other words, there was no one like Moses who, who was involved in such incredible wonders and miracles. No other leader like him. So he knew God. He helped deliver the Jewish people. Unbelievable. And all the strong hand and all the great awe which Moses performed before the eyes of all Israel. And Rashi says, one final Rashi. One final Rashi at the end. What is the crowning achievement of Moses in the eulogy? You know what Moses did? He did something before the eyes of all Israel. And you guys know what this is. Rashi says, this expression alludes to the incident where his heart stirred him to smash the tablets. And the Holy One, Holy One blessed be, he said, God gave his approval. As scripture states, the first tablets which he shattered, God said to Moses, well done for shattering them. That's the last words of Rashi on the whole Torah. And Rashi explains the end, the last point of the eulogy. Is God says to Moses, God says to us through Torah, you know what made Moses great? No one spoke to God like Moses. No one had that type of relationship. No one performed such miracles and wonders like Moses did to Egypt. And you know what else? No one else did. No one loved his people like Moses. No one was willing to put their own, their own spiritual life on the line and their own physical life on the line like Moses who shattered the tablets and broke my, God says, my own handiwork, 
my own handwriting, my own carving. Moses broke. Why? To save the Jewish people. God put the people, sorry, Moses put the people before the law. And you know what God said? Yasher kochacha sheshibarta. Those are the final words of Rashi. The whole Rashi of the whole Torah, the final words. Yasher kochacha sheshibarta. Well done. Yasher koach. Right? A job well done. For what? For breaking the tablets. God didn't get angry. God didn't say, what are you doing? I gave you tablets and you smashed them. Right? Now you got to pay for them. You break it, you buy it. No. God said, thank you for breaking them. Well done. Because by breaking them, you demonstrated that your love for the people runs deeper than your love for the Torah. And what's the final message of the Torah? Is that at the end of the day, we don't put the law before the person. The law exists for us. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, who is associated with Torah like no one else, Moses lived even more dedicated to Torah, dedicated to the Jewish people. He was more dedicated to, to, the, to, the, to the people than to the Torah. It's like the opening, it's one of the opening Rashi's in, in Genesis. Might as well connect the beginning to the end, or the end to the beginning. In the beginning, uh, Rashi says, one of the first Rashi's on uh, Genesis, he says, um, you know, throughout the Torah you have this idea that God said, um, oh, he says, Beratius. The first word of the, of the Torah, Beratius. Beratius. So he says, if you divide it into two, it's Bez, the letter Bet, Bet, Reshit, which means two beginnings. He says, what are two beginnings? There's two reasons why the world was created. Number one, for the Torah. Number two, for the Jewish people. So then Rashi says, but I don't know who's more important, the Torah or the people. The fact that the Torah says consistently, Tzavis B'nai Yisrael, Dabra B'nai Yisrael, command the Jewish people, speak to the Jewish people, that tells us that the main thing is the people, not the book. Now, of course, we're not dismissing the Torah. We're here studying every day for an hour plus. We're studying Torah, daily power of Parsha. But what I'm saying is, it's, it's magnificent and absolutely like mind-blowing and heart-opening. Like, if this doesn't move us, nothing will. Right? If we don't have a heart like a stone, then we're going to be moved by this. The Torah, its final words in its eulogy of Moses, says, you know, it's his greatest moment when he sacrificed Torah, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have other idols. When he, when he sacrificed that, he shattered it to save his people. That's incredible. That's incredible. And that's really the... Um, the message that we take in to the new year, that we take into the Shabbat. You know, it's easy to, um, to get lost in the law. Righteous indignation. It's like, oh, can't believe it. Right? We uh, clutch our pearls, so to speak, and we say, we wag our finger. This person did something wrong. Terrible. Out. They should be done, right? Out. I don't know what Judaism that's from, but that's not from the Torah that I just read. That's not from this Torah. This Torah says that we need to look kindly at the other person. This Torah says that we encourage someone positively. That's Moses' greatest achievement. When he went to bat for his people and shattered the tablets. And he said to God, if you don't forgive them, 
I'm adding on another point. If you don't forgive them, erase me from your Torah. That's, that's, what, that's what made Moses great. Something to aspire to. Something to aspire to. It's like we dismiss people so easily. We dismiss people so easily, sometimes. It's not, not only religiously, but in general. Like, oh, this person, eh. They did this, they didn't do that. We need to embrace the love. Because if we can't love, if we can't love each other, then we can't really love, love Hashem either. And we can't really love the Torah. How could you love God and not love His child? It's not, it's not possible. It's like, I love you, but your child is driving me bananas. It's like, who says that? Who says that? It's chutzpah. Right? This is God's child. You're rejecting God's child, but you expect God to embrace you? It doesn't work like that. It can't work. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work like that. It can't work like that. All right, enough said. The bo- no, no, no reason to get negative. I'm telling myself this. No reason to get negative. The end of the Torah is love. Pure love. Rabbi. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful lesson for us. Yeah, Ray. Uh, um, what is the Hebrew saying? Me motion from Moses to Moses. There. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Maimonides. On the tombstone of Maimonides, it says yeah. from Moses mm-hmm. to Moses, Maimonides, there was no one like Moses. Yes. Basically, it's a way of saying that, that Ramba, Maimonides, was... Uh, in the same ballpark as uh, as Moses, that's that's on his tombstone, yeah. But that's not that's uh it's that's more for Maimonides for his legacy, his eulogy, right. than for Moses. But Moses' legacy again in Torah is not about Torah. It's when he shattered the Torah. It's when he sh- it's when he broke Torah. It's when he sacrificed Torah, so to speak, to save his uh, his fellow his fellow peoples. That's uh, that's the idea. Again. Can you repeat, please, in Hebrew, the, the blessing we say when we finish the Torah? Chazak, chazak, finis chazek. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. So we bless each other, be strong, be strong, and then we ask, may we be strengthened. And the idea is, we, together, we're stronger together, or we're strong together. Yep, that's where the strength comes from. Okay. Um, once again, it's, yeah, thank you, thank you. Once again, it's been an incredible journey through the whole Torah with you guys. Um, once again. And uh, please, God, next week we start the journey again. We start the cycle again with Beratius. So tune in Thursday and Friday, which will be after Shemini Atzeret and Simcha Torah. Um, Monday is Erev, Yamtif, Hashanah Rabbah. It's not... Monday's not going to happen. I'm telling you straight up, it's not going to happen. Thursday and Friday, we got to knock out all of creation. Right? God did it in seven days. Six days, seven days. We're going to do it in two days. Yes. Yes. By the way, that reminds me of a joke. Guy goes to the tailor and commissions a suit. And uh, comes back in a week, not ready. A few weeks later, not ready. Three months later, not ready. Finally, four months in, it's ready. He says, I don't get it. Why? It's beautiful, but uh, you know, it took so long. God created the world in, in, uh, in seven days, in six days. 
Like, it, it, why did it take so long for the suit? He says, what? Did you look at the stitching on this thing? It's, it's magnificent. Anyway, yeah, the suit, he was implying a suit is, all right. I feel like I need to explain that joke because I probably didn't say it exactly right. So at that point, I'm just going to give up. All right, friends, uh, wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. Also, just, just a note of clarification, just so you know, the, the lingo. I feel like you guys should know the lingo and, and have clarity on it. When it's Yom Tif, when it's the holiday, we wish each other a good Yom Tif or a Chag Sameach. But when it's the intermediary days, the in-between days, it's called Chol HaMoed. Different phrase. So we, wish each, so we wish each other a Moed Tov or a Gut Moed, which means a good Moed. Um, you could say Chag Sameach also, and I've, I've used that phrase over the last few days as well. But more accurately, it's a Gut Moed. So I want to wish you all a good Shabbos, and a good mayad, right? Because it's uh, come the last two days of the holiday. If we, were, if we were getting together on Monday, and Monday night's the holiday, I would say then, a good jump to Chag Sameach. But right now, it's a good mayad. All right? That's the lingo. Don't forget it. <laughs> Just uh, insider tips on, uh, on uh, uh, holiday greetings. Okay. Good Shabbos, everyone. Um, a good Mayad. Lots of blessings. All right, we'll see everybody. See you soon. Take care. Pleasure, pleasure. See you guys soon.